I would like to share with you guys is God's divine discipline. Amen. <clears throat> God's divine discipline. What do you mean by God's divine discipline? Most of us are going through struggles in our lives. Some are big, some are small. And there's a reason behind every struggle that we go. God doesn't always want his children to suffer. But sometimes he allows us to go through sufferings and tribulation in our lives to get our focus and our attention back to him. So these are called divine disciplines. God's divine discipline. Amen. So God disciplines us just like our, our father disciplines his son. In the same way, our heavenly father disciplines us, his children. Amen. So that is called divine discipline. So don't be perplexed as to why I'm going through suffering, why I'm going through this tribulation in my life. There's a reason and a purpose and the thing that we need to do is to sit down and understand what the problem is. Why am I going through this? Amen. And we have to take it to the Lord and say, Lord, this is the problem I'm going through. Is there anything wrong that I'm doing here, Father? And that is when God will show us where we are going wrong. Because God doesn't want his children to suffer, church. If he wanted to suffer, make his children suffer, he wouldn't have sent Christ, his precious son, to die on the cross and shed his blood. The reason God sent his son is, is so that we can have a rich and satisfying and pleasing and happy life. Amen. That's the reason he sent his son. So he doesn't want his children to suffer. But sometimes he allows his children to go through sufferings and tribulations is because he's trying to get us to understand that we need to get our life back to God, to get right with God, to get our focus and our attention back to him. Amen. Coronavirus, this is one of the worst disease that has spread across the whole world and has crippled the whole world. Why is coronavirus happening? I'm sure God never created coronavirus. But he allowed it to happen is because God is knocking at the hearts of our door, door of our hearts. He's trying to convict us, to help us understand that we have to get right with God. Amen. It's a wake-up call. God is calling our attention, attention to the whole world to get right with him. Amen. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14 it says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and repent of their sins then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Amen. Very clearly God has commanded us to humble ourselves to repent and to turn back to God and cry out to God and that is when he's going to heal the land. Our land needs healing church. The whole world needs healing from this coronavirus. And the only condition is, are we humbling when God is calling us to humble ourselves? Amen. So it's the same way in our life. Amen. It says that all the problems in our lives that God allows is to get our attention, to humble us before us, before him. God uses the sufferings in our lives to shape our lives, to be dependent on Him. He does that by disciplining us. Amen. So there's a reason why God 
allows us to go through things in our life to get our attention, to help us understand that we cannot do anything without his intervention. So he allows these sufferings to discipline us. It says in Isaiah chapter 48 verse 10, I have refined you, but not as a silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. Amen. So that's what the Lord is telling in Isaiah chapter 48 verse 10. That I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. So you are refined only in the furnace of suffering. Amen. Look at the precious diamonds. They go, to, go, go through a fresh, uh, to an extreme temperature. And that is when they come out so beautiful. All the impurities are cleared out. Why? Because they have gone through that pressure of high temperature. Amen. So that is how our lives are. God wants us to be precious jewels in His crown. That's the reason He makes us go through suffering. The pressures of fire. Amen. And that is when we come out being more disciplined. So God does that by disciplining us through suffering. Just like our Father disciplines us when we were little children. God, dis uh, uh, our Father disciplined because we don't, we didn't know our life any better then. We don't know our future. That's the reason our fathers, they have lived their life and they know our future. That's the reason they tell us, son, daughter, be careful, don't do what I did because this is what happened to me. So our fathers discipline us. Sometimes a little child doesn't listen to his dad. What does the dad do? He'll put him in the corner. Amen. And take his phone away from him. So these are the disciplines that the father does to his son so that he will go in the right direction and not fall into any danger. So is our God. He is our heavenly father. Their discipline protects us from evil and dangers in the world. Amen. So the discipline of our earthly father and the discipline of our heavenly father is the same. Their aim is that my child will not fall into any danger. Amen. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verses from 5 to 6, it says, Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. Why does God discipline us? The Bible clearly says, for our own good. So disciplining, divine disciplines of God is good for us. Verse 6 it says, So obey the command of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and fearing Him. Amen. So we are called to obey the Lord. If we don't, problems start coming because God is trying to convict us to get right with Him. Amen. So Job chapter 5 and verse 17 says, But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin. For though He wounds, He also bandages. He strikes, but His hands also heals. Amen. Very clearly Job is saying, the, consider the joy of those God corrects. Amen. 
is saying do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin. So when you sin, God disciplines us. And we have to be grateful to God for that, that we are going through this suffering because God is trying to discipline us. God is trying to make a point that we have to get right with Him. Verse 18, it says, For though He wounds, He also bandages. Though He strikes, but His hand also heals. Such an amazing God He is. Just like a father when he whips his child and he comes back and he hugs his child. So is our Heavenly Father. It says that though, though He strikes, He will still heal us. But the condition is we have to humble ourselves. We have to repent. I mean, just like our dad, when he whips us, we say, I'm sorry, daddy. So in the same way, we have to tell our Heavenly Father, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I repent. Amen. It says in Psalms 94 and verses from 12 to 14, it says, Joyful are those you discipline, Lord, those you teach with your instructions. You give them relief from troubled times until a pit is dug to capture the wicked. See, he's saying, the psalm is saying what a joy it is for, for those who are disciplined by God. Those who listen and learn from his instructions. And then verse 13 says, you give them relief from troubled times until a pit is dug to capture the wicked. So when you're allowing God to discipline your life and when you're humbling yourself and repenting, then the psalmist says in Psalms 94.13, then you will give them relief from troubled times. So God will give us relief from the troubled times. We go through troubles, we go through problems. is because we are not willing to humble ourselves and we are not repenting of our sins. Amen. Why does God discipline us is the biggest question, right? Many of us, we have this question. Why is God disciplining us? God is disciplining, disciplining us is because he wants us to obey him. He wants us to obey his commandments. He wants us to obey his instructions. Amen. Because he wants the best from our lives, church. Just like our earthly father wants the best for his son's life. So is our heavenly father. Think about that. Amen. That's the reason he's telling us to obey his commandments. That's the most important commandment is to put God first and to love God and keep his commandments. And many Christians fail in that area. Amen. I've seen many of my members, many times they fail in putting God first in their lives, in their relationships, in their, in their, in their uh, every situation, the day-to-day -day work. You know, they don't start their day with God and you have to end your day with God. You have to start your day with God, church. And God will take care of the problems of the day. The day goes really good. From my experience, I start my day with the Lord. Because when you put God first and when you obey His commandments, He's going to bless our lives. Amen. It says in Jeremiah chapter 13 and verses 15 to 17, it says, listen and pay attention. Don't, do not be arrogant, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before it is too late. Acknowledge Him before He brings darkness upon you, causing you to stumble and fall on the darkening mountains. 
For then, when you look for light, you will find only terrible darkness and gloom. Verse 17, And if you still refuse to listen, I will weep alone because of your pride. My eyes will overflow with tears because the Lord's flock will be led away into exile. Amen. So this is what the Lord is telling to the nation of Israel. Because they were not humbling themselves when God was disciplining them. They were not listening to his instructions. They were not obeying his commandments. And that is when he's telling, Acknowledge him before he brings darkness upon you, causing you to stumble and fall. For then when you look for light, you will not find light. You will only find terrible darkness and gloom. Amen. So this is what God is warning to the nation of Israel through Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, that listen to the word of God, listen to his commandments, obey him before it's too late. Amen. God is a gracious God, church. God is a long-suffering that's what I just read out that he, he, uh, you know, he hurts, but also he heals. He is a very good father. Amen. That's the reason he's calling us to repent and turn back to him before it is too late. Because God is waiting patiently. Amen. God cannot allow us to live in sin for long. Amen. God will allow us to live in sin. I mean, He doesn't allow us to live in sin in the first place, but when we sin, and if we don't repent, God is still waiting patiently. Patiently that one day, my, one, my son, my daughter will turn back to me and repent. That's what it says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. God is a gracious God waiting patiently that someday they will repent because He doesn't want His children to be lost, to be perished, because God never created hell for his children. God created hell for the fallen angels, Lucifer and his angels. God never created hell and he never wants his children to go to hell. God wants us to have a rich and a satisfying life. That's the reason he sent his son on the cross. Amen. It says in John chapter 10 verse 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come so that they might have life, an abundant life, a life filled with joy, peace, happiness, prosperity. But many Christians are refusing to obey God. And that's the reason we are having these problems after problems. The COVID that is killing so many Christians. So many churches have been closed down because of COVID. Because the church is not humbling themselves before God and crying out to God. As I just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 14. If my people, God is telling if my people, is not calling all the unbelievers, but he's telling him, if my people, my Christians, if they humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and repent of their sins, then I'll hear from heaven and heal their land. So that's the condition. The condition is to humble ourselves before God. But unfortunately, we don't do that. And that's the reason it's still spreading and still killing people. And there's no end to it. Amen. So he's telling us to repent and turn back to him before it is too late. The same chapter, verse 22. It says, you may ask yourself, why is all this happening to me? It is because of your many sins. That is why you have been stripped and raped by invading armies. Amen. 
So we asked questions. We questioned God, why is this happening? I remember the sister had called me last week and asking me, why is this happening to me, sister? Why am I going through these struggles? These struggles are coming to convict us, to help us to understand that we have to get right with God. Amen? Because we're in the wrong direction, God wants us to get back with Him. That is the reason He's telling us, convicting us to get right with Him. And that's what He's saying in verse 22. You may ask yourself, why is all this happening to me? Why is it happening to me? And it says, it is because of your many sins. That is why you have been stripped and raped by invading enemies. That was the condition of the Israelites. They were questioning God, why is this happening? And that is when God said, it was all because of your sins. That you're inviting all the enemies to come and attack you. Amen. So is, our, so is the situation same with our situation. We go through problems, but we never question God. God, why is this happening? We have to question God. Lord, why is this happening? I'm sure God will answer us and give us a reason why we go through what we go through. Amen. Disobedience to God's instruction itself is a biggest sin, church. It's not necessarily a big crime, a murder, or killing someone, or, you know, living a, a sexually moral lifestyle that is considered a sin. No. Even a simple disobedience to God's word is considered a sin. You know, the biggest good example is Adam and Eve. Adam committed a sin by a simple disobedience to God's instruction. God told Adam, don't eat that fruit. And he still went ahead and ate that fruit. That was a simple disobedience, but it costed his life and his future. Not only his life and his future, but it cost, costed the whole humanity. Amen. God had placed us in the Garden of Eden, but now we have to suffer. We are made to suffer because of the disobedience of Adam's one sin. It says in Romans chapter 5 verse 18, it says, Adam's one disobedience brought sin and death. But Christ's one act of obedience brought righteousness and salvation to many. It was Christ's one act of obedience to go on the cross that brought salvation to the whole world, to the whole humanity from generations to generations till he comes again. Why? Because of Christ's one act of obedience. It all depends on our obedience, church. God is looking for our obedience. Amen. Joshua chapter 7, it talks about the turmoil that Joshua, the, the assistant to Moses, had to go through. You find that in Joshua chapter 7. And verses from 1 to 4, it says, But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen many of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah. So, the Israelites were defeated by their enemies. Why were they defeated? Every time they were winning, all this while God was with the Israelites and they were winning one war after the other and they were defeating all their enemies. But all of a sudden, the enemy 
had defeated Israelites. So Joshua, as the leader of the nation of Israel at the time, cried out to God, Lord, why is this happening? The reason is they violated the instruction of the Lord. They disobeyed God's instruction. God told them not to pick or carry anything, destroy everything. But this man, Ahan, stole some of the things from their temples. And that was a violation to God's instruction. It says in four, chapter uh, 7, verse 4, eight, 4 to 7, it says, So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. <coughs> the men of Ai chased his rights from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were treating down the slope, the Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads and bowed down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. And verse 10, it says, But the Lord said to Joshua, Get up, why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned. And broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them but have lied about it. And hidden the things among their own belonging. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you. That way set apart for destruction. Amen. So God is clearly telling Joshua, why are you crying? This is the reason why the enemy is winning and you guys are losing. is because you have violated my instruction. So unless and until you destroy those things, I am not going to be with you guys. I, am, I cannot stay with you guys. And that's the reason, you know. Because of our disobedience, we invite troubles. The enemy comes and attacks us. Amen. So Joshua had to bring the whole uh, nation of Israel to help them understand the reason why they were defeat. They were getting defeated was because of the sin in the camp. There was sin in the camp. Sometimes there's sin in our family. That's the reason there's so much of problems in the family. So was the condition, a situation with Israelites. There was sin in the camp. The name Ahan had stolen the things God, God had commanded the Israelites not to. And because of the disobedience, they lost the battle and the enemy took over. And they couldn't withstand the enemy. That is the reason, church, we have to humble ourselves to, before God. We have to obey His instructions. Amen. Because if you don't obey his instructions, you cannot win the battle. It is impossible. Because the enemy is too strong for us. How much ever we try to win the battle without Christ in our life, we will always come out as losers. Amen. That's why James is telling his church in James chapter 4 verse 7, Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Amen. When will the devil flee? When you humble yourself before God. When you humble, you have the strength to resist the devil. If you don't humble yourself, 
however you try to resist the devil, you will always be a loser. Amen. So without humbling yourself before God, you cannot resist or fight the enemy. God has to be with you. Because he says in Exodus chapter 14 verse 14, I will fight your battle. You just have to be still. Amen. Our job is to be still. Our job is to humble ourselves before God. Our job is to be obedient to his instructions. And the every word of God found in the Bible is God's instruction that is calling us to be obedient to his word. Many of us, we come to church, we hear the word, but we are not willing to do what the word is telling us to do. That's the reason we have so much of defeat in our life, defeat in our finances, defeat in our marriages, defeat in every area of our lives. We're not, not experiencing the abundant life that Christ came to give us is because we are not humbling when God is disciplining us. Amen. It says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11, it says that wear on God's armor, put on God's armor so that you will be able to defeat the enemy. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. It says put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, then after the battle you will still be standing firm. Amen. So what is Paul telling the Ephesian church? He's telling to wear on God's armor. What is God's armor here? God's armor is his, God's righteousness. Not your righteousness, but it is the righteousness of God that you wear as your body armor. Because when you try in your own righteousness, you will lose. But if you try in God's righteousness, you will win. Because God is going to fight the battle. You just have to be still, church. Amen. A very good example is Moses. When Moses, when he lifted his staff, God divided the Red Sea. You'll find that in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 16. It says, Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on the dry ground. Amen. So this was the instruction that God gave Moses to just pick up your staff towards the sea and I will divide the sea. So that was an instruction that God gave. And because Moses followed that instruction, the Red Sea was divided. Amen. Why did God have to get Moses to raise his staff? Right? There was no reason. I mean, God could have done this without Moses raising the staff. But God did it to make a point to Moses and to all the Israelites that they cannot do anything without God. Amen. If they obey his instructions, they would win. Being obedient to God's every instruction led them to the promised land, church. Many couldn't make it to the promised land. Because they were not willing to humble themselves. Many didn't make it because they were not willing to humble themselves under the discipline of God. Amen. 
It was just a 10 days journey, but it turned out to be a 40 years of wilderness in the desert. 40 years of wilderness, you can imagine a 10 days journey turned out to be 40 years. Why? Because God was constantly disciplining them and they were constantly rejecting God and his instructions. They were not willing to humble themselves before God. That's the reason the 10 days journey went to 40 years of journey. And unfortunately, only two made it to the promised land. Out of 600,000 Israelites, only two made it to the promised land, Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because they were willing to be obedient to God's instruction. And they humbled themselves every time. And God blessed them with the promised land. And they died in peace. Amen. Many say my prayers are not being answered. I don't see a change in my children's behavior, in my spouse, in my finances, in my health. It's all because we are not willing to follow God's instructions. Amen. Many Christians, they go through sufferings, but they're not willing <coughs> to own that it is their fault that they have turned back from God. They don't want to humble themselves. God keeps convicting us, keeps convicting us from problems after problems after problems. But we still harden our heart and we don't follow his instructions. It says in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 9, it says, God detests the prayers of a person who ignores his instructions. If you ignore God's instruction, very clearly it says in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 9, the reason why most of our prayers are not answered is because we are not obedient to God's instruction. That's what he says. I detest the prayers of a person who ignores my instructions. What are his instructions? Find the whole Bible is full of God's instructions. That is the reason it's so important not just to hear the word, but to be doers of the word, church. Many people are not experiencing the breakthroughs in their life, the, the fulfillment of joy and peace in their life is because they are not willing to uh, do what the word says for them to do. Amen. You know, one of the good examples is the sister had uh, paid her tithe after a very long time and she was struggling financially. Her husband had lost the job because of COVID and she couldn't pay her tithes. But one fine day, she made up her mind and she gave the tithe. And God told me right away to tell her when I came back home after the service. And I was in my kitchen and God told me to call her and tell her that I'm going to bless her. So I did call her and uh, I left a voicemail that God is going to bless her. But then she called me back. She said, I don't have even food to eat. Sister Sheba, you're telling me God is going to bless me. I gave all my money that was left as tithe to God. I still said, sister, you have done your part. Now wait for God to answer that prayer. And fair enough, God blessed her. She called me the next day and she says, sister Sheba, you'll be surprised. The neighbor next door, their, their fridge broke down. So they gave us all the food they had in the fridge. And you'll be surprised, sister Sheba, I made a list of things that I need and I've cried out to God, Lord, I need all these things. I don't have food for my kids. I don't have food for myself. I need these things and this is what exactly I have in my fridge right now. The neighbor came and gave us all the food 
In fact, I have so much of food left over that I can come and give it to you. Amen. So that's how God blesses us, church, when we put his instructions. When we obey his instructions, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says to give your, put God first in your finances. You are called to give your 10% of your money to God. Many, many of my members, they get upset when I say that. Because I'm not here for the money. I don't need the money. God is taking care of my needs. But your needs are not met. And you guys are struggling financially. is because you're not willing to put God first in your finances. And secondly, you're not willing to obey his instructions. What does his instruction say? Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and diseases. Your grapes will not fall from the wine before they arrive, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Amen. So God is going to protect us. He's going to protect our finances. When when you obey his instructions. Many of my sisters and brothers they have told me that they have not, uh, they're struggling financially. Why? Because we're not putting God first in our finances. Amen. So we have to obey his instructions, church, if we want to experience blessings in our life because God is our good father. Amen. Always remember that God is not there to always punish us. God is there to bless our lives. He brings all these troubles and problems to discipline us. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 1 and 2 it says, Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. It's your sin that has cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Amen. So, so this is what the Lord is telling the nation of Israel. That his ears are not too far that he cannot hear your cries. I'm not hearing your cries is because your sins have kept you away from me. It says verse 2, it's your sin that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Amen. So we have to analyze why God is not answering my prayers. We have to sit down and analyze and check ourselves whether I'm walking in the will of God, whether I'm being obedient to God's word. Amen. The reason why God disciplines us is because he wants the best for our lives, church. Just like our father who wanted the best for our life is the same with our heavenly father. He wants us to have a harvest of right living, a life that is pleasing to God. Amen. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17 says, People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life. But those who ignore, ignore correction will go astray. Amen. So people who accept discipline, the disciplines of God who accept and humble and change, they will have a pathway to life. A life that is pleasing in the eyes of God. A life that God wants you to live. Not the life that the world wants you to live, but the life God wants you to live. Amen. It says in Hebrews 
chapter 12 and uh, verse 4 to 11 it says after all you have not given your lives in struggles against sin and you have forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children he said my child don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you amen so don't give up when God corrects us. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Amen. But God is doing something. God is trying to bring our, bring certain things to our attention. Amen. One of my sisters is going through struggles in her marriage. She says, my spouse is not changing. And there's a lot of abuse in my relationship. He's having an affair with some other woman. What do I do, sister? And I told her, sister, God wants to heal your marriage. The only condition is... You have to obey God. You have to come for Sunday service. You have to read the Bible. You have to spend time in praying. These are the things that we need to do if God wants to work in your marriage. There's nothing impossible for God. He can change every situation in your husband's life. But the condition is, are you being obedient to God? Are you humbling yourself before God? Are you repenting of all the sins you have committed against God? Amen. And we, we get upset at God. And we give up on God. And that's what Paul is telling in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5. Don't forget the encouraging word. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he corrects you. Don't give up when he corrects us. Don't give up when you go through suffer, sufferings and troubles. Because these sufferings and tribulations will get us close to God. Will open our eyes of understanding that we have to get right with God. Amen. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses from 29 to 32. It says, For if you eat the bread of or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some of you have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet, when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Amen. That was the problem with the Corinthian church that Paul was referring to. It was bringing to their attention that why are you guys sick all the time is because you are desecrating the Holy Communion. You're coming to church, you're taking the Holy Communion, but you're going back to the world and drinking alcohol. Amen? And that's the reason you're all sick. That's what Paul is telling the Corinthian church. And then in verse 32, he says, Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Thank God that God is disciplining us, church. If he wouldn't have disciplined us, we, have, we would have continued living in sin till we made it to hell. Amen. Thank God that God is knocking at our door before it's too late. Amen. <clears throat> God's divine discipline will shape the course of our lives. God's discipline, he disciplines us to make us to realize that we cannot do anything without him. We cannot do anything without him. You need God. Many of us, we think we can do it without God. But 
eventually down the line we realize that we did a wrong choice amen i remember pastor jose had shared this many times in our church about his son joey when he was a little boy where i think he was 2 year old and he was asking dad everybody has bicycle i need a bicycle you need to buy me a bicycle and pastor jose would say son you're still not ready for a bicycle you're too small you can't drive and he kept bugging his father no dad bring me a bicycle bring me a bicycle and finally pastor jose had to bring him a bicycle and he started driving and pastor jose was helping him and he said no dad i can drive it without your help i can drive it and pastor jose would say son you can't you'll fall your legs are too short and the bicycle is big you are not ready for it yet my son you're not ready when you grow old you are ready for the bicycle but now you're still a baby you're still uh, not developed yet to drive the bicycle he would not listen to his dad he would say i can drive it dad i can do it dad i can just leave your hand just leave me alone and what happened <laughs> he eventually <laughs> fell after driving a couple of feet and he fell really bad he bruised his his leg his there was bruises all over his hand and that is when he realized that i should have listened to my dad and my father was right when he said i'm not ready yet amen so is the same with god certain things he doesn't allow in our life is because he knows the danger he knows what's going to happen in the future because god knows our present god knows our current situation god knows our future as well amen and he knows what are the struggles and problems that we will encounter and if we are ready if you are strong enough to even face those problems that's the reason we have to trust god we have to obey god's instructions church when he disciplines us amen you cannot achieve success in your own in your life without god many people say i'm successful in my life i have done it without god just like pastor jose's son he said i can do it dad i don't need your help and that's what many christians do oh they're successful without god but eventually down the line that success will collapse because god is not in it amen you can see that collapse in your health you can see that collapse in your marriage you can see that collapse in your finances you can see that collapse in your relationship you can see that collapse in your business you can see that collapse in your families is because god is not involved in that success for life that you're leading you think is going to be there forever a very, very good example is bill gates one of the richest man in the world the ceo of microsoft there's nothing he lacks he's so filthy rich he has been successful in his life but eventually if you see his marriage is broken his finances collapsing because god is not involved in that successful life another good example is steve jobs the ceo of apple computers and the the phones that you guys use he is the one who developed them and he is the most richest man in the world the most successful man in the world and all the riches in the world that he had couldn't cure him from the cancer couldn't save his life so what good is that richest church if there is no god involved in it? Amen. 
Because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22, The blessings of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Amen. God blesses us with riches, and he adds no sorrow to our riches. That's how God blesses us. A good example is Abraham. Abraham was the most wealthiest, most richest man in his time. Why? Because God was in it. And he had no sorrow with all his riches. He was blessed. His children were blessed. His grandchildren were blessed. His generations and generations were blessed. Because he was a man after God's heart. And God blessed him with riches with no sorrow to it. And that is the kind of riches God wants to bless us. But we try to do things on our own. Like the, the, the just like Pastor Jose said, I said, I died, I can drive this cycle without your help. And then eventually down the line, we start seeing the crumbling in our marriages, in our health, you know, in our finances. So what good, good is that when God is not there in your success? Amen. God disciplines us to make us understand that we cannot run from his plan for our lives. We need to understand that church. God has a plan for each and every child of God. Every one of us, God has a plan. Probably for me is to preach the word, to be behind the podium and preach to the church. But it's not the same for everyone. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you to be used in your family. God has a plan for you, sister, for God to use you in your office. God has a plan for you, son, for God to use you in your sports. So that people around you can see the light of Christ in you. Amen. So God uses different people in different ways. Some people in my church, God used them to go out and preach the word on the streets. Amen. So everybody has different plans that God has. None of us have the same plans. God has different plans for our lives. But remember, God has a plan. But we try to run away from the plan of God. And we face troubles and problems. And we question God, why Lord, I'm going through this. A very good example is Jonah. When God called him to go to uh, Tarshish, he ran to Nineveh. He disobeyed God. And what happened? Eventually, God sent in, uh, a fish to take Jonah down. And then he repented. Because God had a plan for Jonah's life. God had a calling for Jonah's life and he was not willing to follow God's instruction. And that is when he faced this great trouble. You find that in Jonah chapter 1 verses 1 to 5. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite, opposite direction to get, get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He brought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea causing a violent storm that threatened to break that ship apart. Amen. So what happened? He went against the will of God. God had a plan for him to go to Nineveh, but he ran to Tarshish. And what, what happened was God sent a powerful wind. It was so violent that the people had to throw him in the water, in the ocean. 
the same chapter, verse 11 to 12, it says, And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, What should we do to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. For I know that this is terrible storm is all my fault. So Jonah understood that it was the work of God that was bringing this storm and because of his disobedience to God's word. So he told the sailors, throw me into the waters because this is all happening because of me. Amen. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Amen. So the sailors threw Jonah into the waters, and that is when the storm started, because it happened, because God sent those storms. So is our life, church. When we try to run away from God's path, when we try to run away from God's uh uh, direction God sent the storms in our life and we cannot withstand those storms unless we humble ourselves unless we repent of our sins and that is what exactly Jonah did in John, Jonah chapter 2 verse 10 it says then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach so God forgave Jonah and saved his life if Jonah hadn't humbled himself in the three nights when he was in the belly of the fish, if he had didn't humble himself, if he hadn't repented, I'm sure Jonah would have died in the belly of the fish. But because Jonah humbled and repented, God gave him a second chance. Amen. God is also giving a second chance, church. Are we humbling ourselves? Are we repenting? It is only in humbling and repenting that he was able to finish the assignment God had for him. Many Christians are like Jonah. God is calling us to follow the narrow way, the narrow path of holiness and righteousness. But many run and take a different path. Many Christians are like Jonah. God is calling us, go take the path of holiness. Take the path of righteousness. And I'm going to bless your life. But they want to run away and follow the broad way where everyone is running. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 17, 7 and verse 14. It says, this is what Jesus is telling the disciples. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gate to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. So Jesus is telling his disciples that many run to the Broadway and it's a Broadway is a way to hell. And the narrow way is a way to, to the kingdom of God. A narrow way, a way of holiness, a way of righteousness. And many prefer to go the Broadway. Because there's too much of sacrifice involved. Too much of giving up on, on the worldly pleasures. And they don't want to give up on the worldly pleasures. And the worldly lifestyle, they prefer to go the broad way. And the narrow way is difficult. That's what Jesus is saying. It's very difficult. There's a lot of sacrifices involved. You have to lead a holy life. That's a sacrifice. You have to lead a righteous life. That's a sacrifice. Amen. You have to be obedient. And many Christians find it very difficult 
to follow the narrow way. They prefer the broad way and that will end up them take them away from God. And that is why, you know, our lives is, a, is like Jonah. God is calling us, go to Nineveh, but we prefer to go to Tarshish. That's the reason Jesus is telling in Mark chapter 13, verse 13, those who endure till the end will be saved. Only those who endure till the end will be saved. Not everyone, church. Only those who endure till the end. God tried to discipline the nation of Israel many times, but they were not willing to surrender their will to God's will. That's the reason the 10 days of journey turned out to be a 40 years of wilderness. Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13, it says, Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13, it says, and so the Lord says, these people say they are mine, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by the road. <coughs> so what is God saying? That these people, they say they claim that they are Christians, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship is all waste. Because their heart is in the not, not in the right direction. Their hardened heart. It says the same in Isaiah chapter 1, verses from 2 to 5. It says, Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with the burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their back on Him. Why do you continue to live in white punishment? Why you rebel forever? Your head is injured and your heart is sick. So this is the condition of the Israelites. They have always rebelled God. They are, the, he's comparing the donkeys, the animals know their master. But Israel has forgotten their master, their creator, their provider. They have forgotten and they have hardened their heart. They have always constantly rebelled. God was disciplining them by sending nations, the enemies attacking them. Every time they were going through exiles, going through destructions, going through so much of chaos, but still... They were rebellious against God. It says, same chapter, Isaiah 1 verse 19. It's saying, if you will obey, if you only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. So this is what the Lord is telling the Israelites. If you only would obey me. I have such great plans for your life, such great blessings for your life, but you're not willing to obey me. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 7. Again, God is crying out. He says, The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, 
but instead he heard the cries of violence. So God created the nation of Israel and he was expecting good things. He was expecting righteousness. He was expecting uh, justice. But the people were living in sin. Amen. That is a condition with us. God expects good things from our lives. But he's only seeing disobedience to God's word. He's only looking at sin and God is tired. And that's the reason he allows all these problems to discipline us. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 8 to 11. It says, The Lord has spoken out against Jacob. His judgment has fallen upon Israel. And the people of Israel and Samaria who spoke with such pride and arrogance will soon know it. They said, We will replace the broken bricks of our ruins. We'll finish with stones and replace the field sycamore fig trees with cedars. But the Lord will bring Rezim's enemies against Israel and stir up all their foes. The Syrians from the east and the Philistines from the west will bear their fangs and devour Israel. But even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. So God is not satisfied because there's still rebellions. He has sent the Philistines to attack them. He has sent uh, the uh, resigns to attack them. Amen. And the, he has sent the Syrians to attack them. And still they are not willing to humble before God. They are still not willing to repent. And God is still not satisfied. He wants them to humble themselves. So the, the sooner you humble yourself, church, the sooner you repent, the better it is. Amen. The struggles of your lives will end. It says, verse 13, same chapter, for, for after all this punishment, the people will still not repent. They will still not seek the lords of heaven's armies. So that is what God is saying. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 13, with all these problems, they are still not willing to repent. We have to be careful, church. When problems come, question God, analyze yourself and ask God, Lord, why am I going through this? Is there anything that I'm doing wrong? If I am, I ask you that you forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, I repent. The sooner you repent, the better it is for you, church. It says in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 16, Isaiah 26 and verse 16, it says, Lord, in distress we search for you. We prayed beneath the burden of your discipline. So, they are crying out. Some of them, very few, are crying out to God. And they are saying, Lord, in distress we search for you. We prayed beneath the burden of your discipline. Just as a pregnant woman writhes and cries out in pain as she gives birth, so we were in your presence, Lord. So they are crying out to God under the burden of their discipline or under the burden of God's discipline. So that is what God is, that is what God is looking at. Will my ch child, will my son, will my daughter will humble themselves under the burden of God's discipline? Amen. So don't continue to harden your heart, church, when God is disciplining you. It says in Isaiah chapter 38 and verses from 16 to 17. Lord, your discipline is good 
for it leads to life and health. You restore my health and allow me to live. Yes, this anguish was good for me, for you have rescued me from death and forgiven all my sins. Amen. So the Israelites are saying, Lord, your discipline is good, for it leads to life and health. You restore my health. Why are many of us still suffering with sickness? For many, many years, it's still going on and on and on and on. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. It's because you're not humbling before God. You're not repenting. That is what uh, the, the children of Israel are saying. Lord, your discipline is good for it leads to life and health. God's discipline is always good for us, church, because His discipline will bring righteousness, right living, holiness in our life, and will bring us peace and good health. That's the most important thing, good health. And I'm going to close with this last scripture, Isaiah chapter 10, verse 22. It says that only a remnant will be saved. Only very few Israelites will be saved is what God is telling. Why? Because they have humbled themselves under God's discipline and they have said that God's discipline was good for them and they have repented of this. So that's the reason God is saying only a few remnant will be saved. And that is what Jesus is telling in Mark chapter 13 verse 13. Only a few will be saved. Only those who endure till the end will be saved. Don't expect all the Christians to be going to heaven. It's not going to work like that church. Only those who humble before God, only those who repent will make it to the kingdom of God. Amen. So that's the message that I wanted to share with you guys because God wants us to God wants us to have a righteous life, a life pleasing in His sight. That's the reason God disciplines us. These problems, these trials, struggles that we are going through is good for us because that will help us anchor our life back to God. Amen. So I encourage you all to do the right thing, to get right with God before it's too late. Amen. So that's the message.